All right. Welcome back to the world of investing. The topic of discussion is going to be the sports industry, so entertainment. And that's kind of different from, I guess, what I've talked about in the past because it's been more about like product and selling that, but this is entertainment. Um, and when I'm talking about the sports industry, we're talking specifically in North America, um, not like the rest of the world. But we, we might cover that a little bit, but probably not. Um, so what's up, buddy? Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. No, thank thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, I'm excited to talk about sports, and I'm excited to tell you why the Knicks are better than the Celtics. All right, dude. I'm I'm excited to get into that later. Um, to start, I want to talk about March Madness and um, specifically the NCAA. So I came across some information. Let me just pull it up real quick. It had to do with the um, NCAA and their revenue, their annual revenue. And in the 2022 fiscal year, it was $1.14 billion. And so I have a question. How much do you think of that was from March Madness? Percent. Give me a percent. Uh, can you repeat the number, please? Uh, $1.14 billion. Uh, percentage? I would say... I would say around... 40%. All right, dude. It was 85%. Wow. Yeah, just for March Madness. And, like, I guess, like, why do you think that? I don't know. Well, personally, that makes sense. You know, I'm not a huge college fan in general. I like watching college football, but college basketball, I I know me and my friends like you, we only tune in for the uh, March Madness tournament. Um, I don't know. I think there's just this aura around the tournament, you know, like filling out the brackets is such it's such a tradition at this point. So you can be someone who's not into college basketball at all and know nothing. And you're still going to fill out a bracket and watch all the games. Yeah, even my um, I little competition with my teacher and uh, she even made a bracket just randomly guessing the teams. And that's going pretty bad for both of us right now because this tournament's been kind of unexpected. Right. Yeah, um, to add on to that, I mean, the final four teams right now are San Diego State, UConn, um, Miami, and I Crane. can't even... Creighton, yeah. Creighton. No, they won. They won? Wait, no. Did they? <laughs> I, I mean... That no, they be- lost. They lost. That kind of just adds on adds yeah, yeah. on to our point. Oh, it's FAU, Florida Atlantic. FAU, yeah, yeah, okay. That kind of just adds on to the point. Like, there's no, these not. Uh, I think what we're eventually gonna get into with NIL, like, there's not these big powerhouse blue blood schools anymore. Um, I think the farthest that a blue blood made it was Gonzaga, and if that that's even if you consider them a blue blood, I mean, I don't think they've ever won a championship before. But teams like Duke getting bounced in the mm-hmm. second round. Uh, North Carolina not even making the tournament. Um, Kansas as the one seed, I think they got bounced in the second or third round. So, yeah. like we're like I said, we're gonna get into it, but I think that NIL deals have a great influence on that. Yeah, and like just to specify a blue blood, like for the people who don't know, you wanna? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, so when I think of a blue blood um, for college basketball, you think of like these big these notorious schools that have like a lot of history of winning and they're known for pulling these big recruits, like to name some of them, UCLA, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Michigan state, um, 
it's it's just schools that are always going to be in the conversation and that's why it's kind of interesting this year because all those schools are I think only one of those schools even made it to like the sweet 16 or elite eight so I think that like the NIL can is definitely going to disrupt their historical runs yeah and the thing is like right now we're literally just talking about like currently men's basketball and I just thought it was cool that 85 percent literally comes from March Madness, women's and men's, just one sport out of, for example, football, very popular in NCAA. Um, I'm kind of, like, I'm kind of astonished how um, football doesn't come close to generating as much as just March Madness, a single tournament event. Yeah, um, can I? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that is because with March Madness, I mean, it's in the name, it's madness, like, it doesn't matter how well you do in the regular season. You can be a 16 seed. Like we saw the 16 seed. I can't even remember their name because they're so small of the school. But they, you. Yeah, they beat uh, Purdue this year. Like you just have to get in and anything's possible. With college football, there's only 10 games, I believe. Like every, if you lose one game, you have like you, unless you're one of these top uh, schools like Ohio State, Alabama, if you lose one game, you're out of contention for the college football playoff. So I think that the reason that March Madness is so much more popular is because um, the regular season during college football is a lot more uh, popular than the regular season for college basketball. Because with college basketball, there's like, what, 20, 27 games, 30 games? Like, you can lose a game. Yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't really affect you at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's an interesting theory. Um, what was I going to say? Trying to think. Well, I don't, I don't think that's a theory. I mean, I think it's just true. If you look at like the NFL and the NBA, like the NBA is not like the NFL regular season, even with it expanding from 16 to 17 games, it's way more popular than the NBA regular season because the NBA regular season, just like the MLB regular season, those two are kind of lacking in like viewing and I, I honestly think they could be heading on like a downwards trend because nobody really cares enough to watch a random game on a Wednesday night that like a team's best player a team's best players can be sitting out because they know it won't matter mm-hmm. cause it's 82 games with NFL every game matters if you yeah. so like you want to lose yeah you'd never see an NFL player like load managing which means like sitting themselves out voluntarily like to prevent themselves from further injury but in the nba you see it all the time because i mean and i'm a i'm a big fan of the nba but i really start watching in the playoffs, the playoffs. yep all right so i, was, I remember what i was going to say it was about march madness and how they generate that amount of money so i'm pretty sure it's from obviously like ticket sales and commercials are really big I remember today watching so many commercials, all of them basically having to do with March Madness. Can you think of like any other ways that they've generated money besides like ticket sales and commercials? Um, I mean, maybe something to do with. Oh, first off, I think that uh, just like the talk around March Madness, like. Um, the revenue that they're getting in probably from these like sports talk shows, like it's a really big thing. And it, the talk really starts in February when like the um, it starts getting like speculated what schools are going to be in and out. And people try to like 
speculate uh, the seeding of schools, but um, probably my other guess would be something to do with like NIL deals because you know that's like like you said, that's when most people are watching college basketball. So that's where you see people who aren't even gonna make it to the NBA make themselves like a big name, like that uh, point guard on Kansas State, Noel. Yeah. I think he's too short to even be a first-round pick in the NBA, but he probably made himself millions of dollars just because of how well he performed in the tournament and how, like, think about how many people now know him. I had no idea who he was before the tournament, and now everyone's, there's so many just, like, impressions of him all throughout social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Like, so so many people now know his name, which increases the value of his name, which overall increases the value of the NCAA. Mm-hmm. And also add on to that, like in addition to players, also teams. Like when looking at um, Princeton, for example, I, nobody bet on them to make it as far as they did. What was it, the Sweet 16? Pretty sure. Yeah. And it kind of creates this new culture around them and obviously would generate more revenue for their individual team as well. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I mean, Princeton the ivy league school it's a very big prestigious school i think it's known more for its academics and lacrosse like well i remember when i was first filling out my bracket and i saw arizona versus princeton i didn't even think about it mm-hmm. i just crossed i crossed off princeton right away yeah it was immediate um i guess to get into now like we've been talking about these nil deals and i guess just to specify what that is it's like it was an ncaa policy passed in recent years that allow players to, I guess, make a name for themselves and get money and get paid for just, like, popularity, for example. Do you want to, like, add on to that? Yeah, uh, I have it pulled up here. So on June 30th, uh, 2021, the Division One Board of Directors approved an interim name, image, and likeless NIL policy. This new policy allows all NCAA D1, 2, and 3 student athletes to be compensated for their NIL as of July 1st, 2021, regardless of whether their state has an NIL law in place or not. So, like Cole said, Cole hit it pretty spot on, but um, we're going to get into how this is going to totally impact the, the way that uh, these top athletes and even these like middle athletes in college on like because everyone everyone nowadays it's not like the old days where people would stay three to four years in college people want to get to the leagues as fast as possible these professional leagues the nfl the nba because they know that once they get there they're set they get a million dollars right away with this the signature of a paper but now with nil deals you have these rich sponsors from your area and even not maybe not even from your area from these bigger brands that are willing to throw millions of dollars at you so you can stay in college um an example of this that i can think of which technically didn't really happen but cj stroud he was a star Mm -hmm. quarterback on ohio state and he um he had a really great uh college football playoff performance against the georgia bulldogs on uh, New Year's and there was a lot I mean I'm an Ohio State football fan so I was really into this but there was a lot of speculation on whether or not he was going to stay at Ohio State or go to the NFL draft and three years ago like it, immediately everyone would have known he's going to the draft but there was a lot of speculation that he could have stayed because there was these huge millionaire sponsors from the Ohio area that were throwing millions of dollars at him if he were to stay and now Obviously, if you know, if you follow college football or the NFL, 
he went to the NFL because he's probably going to be a top two pick and get way more money in the NFL than he would. But it just shows like how a couple of years ago that wouldn't even been a thought. Yeah, and how there's just more opportunities for people to make money not on a professional, like, wide-scale level. Um, and also, like, besides college, it's also on a high school level. Like, with Mikey Williams, a high school basketball player, uh, very popular. At just 17, he signed a multi-year sneaker contract with Puma, and that was due to the NIL rules, so that allowed him to take advantage of his opportunities as a, only a high schooler. Um, compared to years before, where you obviously, like, buddy, like you have to make it into the NBA or if you're talking about football, the NFL to even get close to that amount of money. And these NIL deals, it kind of shows how these players are becoming more like businessmen. They are, I guess, like finding opportunities to make money in different ways and making a name for themselves, even if that doesn't mean getting to play on a professional level, but just playing at the level they're at now and just showcasing that popularity. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, next, I guess we can talk about, I guess, the difference in revenues throughout different um, sports like industries in North America. So, for example, NBA, NFL, MLB, and one I don't really know much about, but I guess it's been on the rise lately, and that's the UFC. Um, so the NFL, it's the um, out of those I just listed. It's generated the most annual revenue. If I could find that number really quick. Yeah, well, you're looking for that. Um, so, like you said, the NFL is the highest in revenue. That makes sense. It like each each team is owned by a billionaire, a multi-billionaire, and it pull. It's so in football. It's only an American sport. Like it's not like soccer. It's worldwide, and it's still the most um, the most the sport that has the most revenue. Yeah, and I'm kind of kind of curious as to why, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, there's nothing like football. I mean, I'm a huge NFL fan and like I said before, like I'm every like NFL Sundays are so it's such a tradition now for me and my dad and like all these other just all these other families like it's not like all these other sports where they play like MLB has like won 160 game season. And, like, sure, I, I like baseball, but I would never sit down and, like, watch a game. Um, I also think with NFL, it's just, like, sponsorships. The TV deals, I mean, they get they pull in, like, a, a random, not a random, but, like, a popular week eight, like, right in the middle of the season, a team which, uh, game between two teams, like the Bengals and the Chiefs, like, that pulled in, like, like 20-something million viewers, like, no other sport can just do that for a midseason game. And then the Super Bowl is yes. like the most um, it's the most famous event in American sports. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not I can't say in the whole world because the World Cup's more popular and probably some other soccer events. But like the sponsorship. North America. Yeah. And, ju- and just the, the buzz and the sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing like the Super Bowl, the halftime show, the commercials. Yeah. I was going to add on to that. Like. The NBA, it's obviously, like, at max, there's seven games in, like, this final event, the, the championship. And that's different to the Super Bowl because this is one big thing. And, like, with halftime, there's a Super Bowl halftime performance, and that's just showcased during this one event where you have to be there that one time. Compared to the, 
NBA championship was a maximum seven amount of games, best of seven, and there's just multiple games. It's just different. Yeah, I'm. Can I? I want to touch upon you because you can have you can talk about the rest of the sports, but I want to talk about the UFC because I'm very passionate about. Yeah, uh, sure. I don't know about that. I'm very passionate about the UFC. Um, I just started getting into it recently, and I think it's awesome. Um, Dana White, the owner, he's been the owner since the start, and they've just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, I think there's truly nothing like it just watching two uh, men or women in a cage just, like, fighting to the death. I mean, they and they pull in so much money from all these sponsors. I mean, if you actually look at the cage they're in, there's at least, like, a dozen sponsorships just – paint painted all over the cage on the on the player's shorts they probably have another five um the buzz like because you fights get announced a year in advance so the buzz between the two fighters like at the press conference the trash talk i just think it's awesome um i think and it, it's so great it's growing bigger and bigger every single year mm-hmm. that kind of like what you said the buzz over about a year it kind of reminds me of like what we we're just talking about with like the final event like the Super Bowl, for example, but like in UFC, there, is there like a like a Super Bowl like thing? Or? Well, there's car like there's uh so like for example, there there's championship fights like the top fighters will fight for the championship, and you can you can lose it just as easily as you gain it. So like for example, um, Kamaru Usman and Leon Edwards just fought for the um they forgot so there's. I feel like most people would know, but there's, like, different weight classes, like welterweight, lightweight, heavyweight. Um, like I said, I'm still getting into it, so I don't really know the exact weight class, but they're one of the lightweight ones. And Leon Edwards last year uh, knocked out Usman, so he had the belt. So going into the fight, Leon Edwards had the belt, and Usman wanted to get it back. So this is the title fight. So if Usman wins... He gets the title. He gets to hold the belt until someone else eventually challenges him in a title fight. But however, Leon Edwards won again, so Leon Edwards holds the belt for his weight class. But uh, like I said before, like mm-hmm. John Jones, um, John Jones, he just came back as a heavyweight, I believe, and. Uh, after like taking a couple year break and he got the heavyweight title bell after beating uh, Cyril Ghosn. So, it, I mean, you can talk about your sports, but I think it's just an amazing sport. Yeah, and um, I guess I want to quickly ask, how does the money work for the player or the, the people participating in the event? You know how much money, for example, like one person can um, generate it, in one single event? It's a lot. It's like in like the, it's in the millions, like, it it really depends on how notable, like, you know, Conor McGregor, everyone knows Conor McGregor, mm-hmm. and he's so good for the sport because he not only creates a lot of revenue for UFC and it brings a lot of attention, but he gets uh, an insane amount of money. Um, like I said, like, it's, it's pay-per-view, so people are paying, like, $150 just to watch, like, this set of fights, and um, it it's um, it's a lot. Because think about it, like the way it's set up, it's not like it's not like the NFL where like you have to distribute all this money to like all these different owners, all these different like stadium workers, like all this mm-hmm. stuff. It's it's just it's men and women. It's it's one person win. I mean, even the loser, they get a great deal of money. Like they still get millions. I'm gonna look into like exactly how much like 
for example, like John Jones got in his recent title fight, but I'm sure it's in the at least like 10 million range. Yeah, and like the sports industry has grown massively over the years. And I feel like people are like when they look at not only UFC, but other areas, um, they're starting to see these players more as businessmen. Um, obviously, like when you watch them, it's purely for entertainment. And I guess initially you would, initially you would think that they obviously get to have fun and, and play a sport. It's basically like a child's game. Well, not really a child's game with the OC, but um, they just get to play a game for their living. But really, they're businessmen. They're looking for opportunities to make money and get as much money as possible from their job. Yeah, um, I agree. And if you want to like sort of deviate away from just UFC and talk about sports in general, um, I did pull up the exact number for John Jones, he got around seven million for in. It was a very quick fight. He uh, submitted him in the first round, so he got seven million for like three minutes of fighting, and he didn't even get a touch. But um, to add on to your comments about businessman, um, businessmen, like I think it's all about like creating a brand for yourself. Like for example, let's go. For, let's talk about Joe Burrow. I'm a big Bengals fan. Yes. And and he is our franchise quarterback. We drafted him with the first overall pick a couple years ago. And people like him, I mean, because if you know anything about him, you'd think that he's this like, tra- like trash talking cocky guy, but he's actually a very quiet guy. But he's let these like, he's at places like ESPN Sports Center, all these social medias, like build a brand for him. And he's getting paid millions of dollars and like sponsorships because he's such like a notable face. If you look at a player like um, Odell Beckham Jr., like he created a brand for himself, and he has he hasn't even played in a couple of years because of injuries and such, but um, he created this brand for himself. He kind of like revolu- revolutionized in a sense, like the way that people look at football and like how and like dances and like celebrations and like what people are wearing. And now like you see like a lot of like NFL players, especially receivers, like follow his path. Mm-hmm. Um, just to add on to that with the the businessmen, when you look at shoe deals, um, LeBron James, all the very famous basketball players, Kyrie Irving formerly had one. Um, John Morant is coming out with a shoe deal. There, it's another way to make money through their popularity. Yeah. yeah um, I I mean. For example, I know this is a big talk in baseball, but baseball is not super popular. I mean, it's not as popular as, like, my dad will always tell me when he was growing up. It was a lot more popular. Um, So, and I think that's because, like, baseball players aren't good at creating, like, a brand for themselves. And I think it's because, like, the harsh reality is that they're middle-aged men, 30 to 40, who are, I mean, they're, like, they're, sure, they're professional athletes, but they don't really have, like, that much to offer in the sense of, like, bringing like a like a cool a coolness factor to the game if that makes sense like everyone has to wear the same uniform and like you see people who are trying to make the game fun in baseball and like it they're they're definitely like at the top but they're still nowhere near these other american sport like athletes yeah i don't really know much about baseball obviously like the popularity it's about people's opinions too right like the like in some case they just like the sport better than the other sport like yeah the nfl like pure opinion but um yeah I guess that makes sense with um what you said about baseball. Um just going back to what I was talking about with uh 
revenue. Um, I found those numbers and um, the National Football League in 2021 generated 17.2 billion US dollars. Um, the MLB generated around 11 billion, and that was in 2019, so a little bit earlier. Um, the UFC was 5.27 billion in 2022, but obviously it's growing rapidly. And I feel like it just, not really recently, but kind of recently, started to take flight, or at least that's when I noticed. Um, and the NBA, I'm pretty sure, I don't have the number right now, but it was less than the NFL, but higher than the MLB. Oh, uh, yeah, just to bring that back up about popularity. Yeah. Um, but so, I mean, I guess to sum it up, I mean, it makes sense. And I think that, I mean, it's definitely a discussion that I've seen on like Twitter and social media platforms about like if for the regular season, if if sports like or sports organizations like the MLB and NBA want to make the regular season more enticing and more valuable, they're going to have to shorten the games, especially now in the NBA where you see a lot of people sitting out games because they're tired or they don't want to get injured. I think mm-hmm. it would just be uh, the best solution possible for all parties involved to shorten the regular season. Yeah, um, they were also talking about like an in-season tournament for the NBA just to make things more interesting and, I guess, increase the intensity and put more on the line, um, kind of similar to the situation in the NFL, for example, with the limited number of games. Because obviously I feel like they're not going to reduce the number of games in an NBA season. I just can't really see that happening. I mean, I I think they can, to be honest. Like, I mean, um, I think it's actually something like that they're – I mean, I've seen the thing that you were talking about, the in-season tournament. Um, but the only break that these guys have is really like a one-week all-star break and like the top players still have to play during the all-star break. And you even see people – voluntarily sitting out of the all-star break just because they're so tired and they just want like a break and i think what injury too yeah um not only would it be better for like the league to make it more valuable but i also think it, it, it would increase the quality of play during the playoffs because i mean i guess you can on the other side you can say that it's good that it's such a long regular season and that guys are limping into the playoffs because that's really testing who's the most fit to be the champion. But at the same time, I don't really, I feel like it's not, it's not putting out the best product. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing videos of not really the really popular teams in the NBA, but some of the less popular teams. Um, when just looking at their stadiums, there are a lot of empty seats in regular season games. And I guess that just shows why maybe what you said of, I guess there being less games would possibly increase attendance and, maybe increase their overall revenue. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it also depends on the team. You know, like like I mentioned at the beginning, um, I'm a big Knicks fan, and I just went to their game last Saturday against the Denver Nuggets, and it was mm-hmm. packed. It was completely full on, like, a Saturday 1 p.m. game. And that's because teams like the Knicks, teams like the Celtics, the Lakers, teams in these big cities are always going to be popular no matter – what type of product they're putting out just because they've established this brand as a prestigious team. But when you're Culture. a smaller, when you're a smaller market team, like uh, the timber, the Minnesota Timberwolves, Utah jazz, like they could be a team that's like mediocre or above average and still not get 
at near like a packed house and especially years when they're bad there's no one and teams like I, I saw a report recently that the um the Brooklyn Nets right actually lost money over the past couple of seasons really yeah um I can like look into it more now but I remember like they were doing anything to like be able to sell these tickets and I mean not to get too in depth on like specifics because not everyone watches basketball but they they had some like three really prestigious players like kevin durant Kyrie irving james harden and everyone like thought it was going to be the super successful super team and it never worked out so i think it has something to do with that um yeah and i guess talking about this idea of super teams when going back looking at the golden state warriors they um they acquired this really good player in kevin durant and i feel like in this case it actually helped them um, become a more valuable team. Um, currently, when looking at their value um, in the NBA, they are the most valuable team. I feel like, obviously, with Kevin Durant um, and the championships they brought to their city, that helped them become and generate this value. Yeah. Um, in a Forbes report that came out in uh, late October of 2022, uh, Brooklyn's rough end to the 2021-22 season came with an even harsher financial blow, according to a New York Post report. According to a Post source, the Nets and Barclays Center suffered $50 to $100 million of losses for the 21-22 season, despite setting records for attendance, ticket revenue, and sponsorships. Wow. So um, I guess to expand on that, not necessarily only with the NBA – but with teams and their ability to generate money. So um, obviously there's ticket sales, right? Um, I guess there's there's that marketing factor. Can you think of anything else? Like how a specific team, not really necessarily the NBA as a whole, but how each team um, makes money? Well, teams make money just off, I mean, just like any other brand. Like, for example, they're – like I said, there's like a there's an aura around these huge brands. Like every when you're in LA, people want to see a Lakers game. Like people want to see a Knicks game. People are gonna buy merchandise. People are gonna tune in to watch. People are gonna like I think and very under well, it's not even really becoming underrated because it's becoming so much more increasingly popular recently. But like social media impressions, people tweet people tweeting about their favorite teams. People cr- even criticizing their favorite teams or teams they hate. Like people don't realize like even with like a few words like how much um how much attention like they're putting on these like business because keep in mind their businesses it's all a business so like mm-hmm. it's just think about it logically in the sense of like good, like bad press is good press good press like your people talking about you is going to get you money mm-hmm. i was um watching this documentary a little bit ago it was about the lakers and how their um how their owner kind of turned them around when he bought the franchise. Um, I'm pretty sure it was... It, w- it was a while ago. Um, I think... I'm not... I'm going to look it up really quick when he exactly bought the franchise. Look at me a second here. Yeah, well, you're searching that up. I know that... I mean, I, people have seen... Everyone knows... Or maybe not everyone, but a lot of people know Magic Johnson, uh, Kareem... Kobe Bryant, Shaq, like teams like the Lakers, they have like these very notable and legendary players that have played through different eras or maybe even together in their team's history. And like when um, I remember watching a documentary about 
the Lakers and Magic Johnson specifically about his battle um, with disease. But um, it was talking about how, like, their stadium was, like, that was the place to be in the 80s and the 90s. Like, everyone wanted to be there, whether they were in L.A. or not. Like, it was more of, like, a, it's it's an entertainment. Like, that's another thing. Yeah. Not only are they businesses trying to make as much money as possible, but it's entertainment for the people. Like, sure, you need to remember that the the product is people, is grown men playing against each other, but above all, it's entertainment. Like, people pay money to watch it because it makes them it makes them excited. It makes them feel good, et cetera. Yeah, I think we were talking about the same documentary. Because <laughs> um, it was talking about the stadium and how he created this like really lively culture, even like not with the players, but at halftime, for example. With, it's just crazy stuff going on. Um, and the people it brought to the area, all these celebrities. Um, and like the area around it, something called the Forum Club. It was a restaurant. Um, but the the uh, owner of the Lakers, Jerry Buss, he um created it as some sort of nightclub, this popular nightclub around the area, which only increased popularity and benefited the Lakers as a whole, and like ultimately helped them generate more money for the team. Yeah, I mean, if you wanna if you wanna start talking more about like present day. Yeah. Um, so I think that now what NBA team, because like I said before, um, M- the NBA isn't making as much money as they want to. They're still making a lot of money, but they're not making as much money as they want to. And we talked about like possible solutions, maybe shortening the regular season or instituting a, uh, mid season tournament. Um, but I think, I think ultimately that like, this is kind of, this is kind of like what it's going to be. I don't really think that they can improve their product much. But, but like the, I feel like the NFL, not only are they super successful in increasing in revenue every year and getting these huge new deals, but I also feel like there's even room to um, improve in the NFL more than there's room to improve in other sports leagues like the MLB and NBA, which I feel like is kind of scary. Like People don't really think about this a lot because especially if you're a big football fan and you know all these players, but People, NFL players are not as popular as NBA players. Like, NFL players, to the average eye, are just some random people running around in helmet and shoulder pads. Like, people don't actually... See their faces? No, yeah, people can't recognize... Like, you could... There could be a great um, NFL player, like, especially, like, whether it's a defensive or offensive lineman, like, a generally bigger dude... And you could see him walking in the street, and you'd have absolutely zero clue who he is, just because you've probably never seen his face before. Yeah, um, I'm talking about the NFL. Um, they added an extra game this season. Is that strictly, do you think, because they wanted to increase their revenue strategically? Was it a yeah, strategic I move? think I think it mostly has to do with that. I just I I guess it was just time for a change. I know a lot of players were um, aggravated very, by it. Very, I, yeah, they they definitely like spoke out um, against it. I remember like specifically Alvin Kamara, the Saints running back, was pretty distraught about it. I'm, I mean, it's one extra game. Um, personally, I mean, obviously as a fan, I like it a lot. It's only one extra game. It's not like they're making like a huge difference. Like it, it didn't really make the value of the regular season uh, less valuable. Um, 
maybe they'll get to the point where if they ever add another game, they'll add another bye week to make it more fair for the players. But, um, like, I'm definitely – they another thing that they did for revenue, I believe it was, like, two years ago, is they changed their playoff format to something called Super Wild Card Weekend. So there's another game played. So there used to be um, only six teams that would make the playoffs, and the top two seeds in each conference would get a bye. Now there's seven teams who make the playoffs in each conference, and only the top seed in each conference gets the bye, adding, another, adding two games every year um, to the playoff slate for the first weekend of playoff games, which was, I think, purely a, a move for revenue. Yeah, I feel like these like little additions are so effective because you're not adding a great amount of games like the NBA to the point where it de- um, decreases the intensity or like how much you have to lose for a single game. So I feel like it was so good because that one game doesn't make a, a big difference um, in the sense like of intensity level, but it it just keeps or it keeps the intensity is what I'm trying to say of the of the regular season and keeps it interesting the whole time. Yeah, um, if you want to like talk more about like investments now. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I think investments in sports like tech because technically you can invest in yourself. Like a lot of players will invest in themselves, turn down a deal that's offered by a team. Let's say. A team wants to lock you up early. They'll offer three years, thirty million. You you can bet on yourself, and like, because you're not guaranteed. That's the thing. A lot of NFL players who might not be as good will take that contract just to get that long-term security. Like I I will get paid thirty million dollars. However, other players will be willing to bet on themselves, decline the contract, play play out their current one, show that they're worth much more. And then get a contract that's eventually bigger than that. And like obviously there's problems. You could um, underproduce. You could get hurt. And obviously that's worst case scenario and something you can't really control. But it's it's like the sad, it's the harsh reality of like the situation. Like I know it happened a lot. Like NFL free agency just happened. And I know like a couple of players bet on themselves, turned down $40 million deals and just got $8 million for one year. And the NFL, you don't really want a one year deal because it's a super physical game. And you never know when something catastrophic could happen and your NFL career could be over. You want that long term security. Yeah, that's the thing with investing in just all categories and not even sports. But if you take the risk, there's high risk and high return, right? Yeah. So if if you take the risk, there's an opportunity where you can you can bring in a lot of money. But also when you do that, there's this fear of that not happening. So it takes it takes a big move to make a big amount of money, a large amount of money. Yep, I agree. Um and also when talking about I guess like investing in sports, I feel like it's kinda hard for like some people to just picture that because obviously common people can't invest in sports teams. Like you have to, you have to be very rich, have to have millions of dollars to like partly own a team, for example, and to be like a majority owner of a team, billions of dollars. So I feel like it's kind of, I feel like it's good that we're bringing it up. So people see that aspect of investing um, in sports. Yeah, I mean, you'll see a lot of people who can't get enough money to become a even like a small owner of a team. They'll they'll um it, they'll partner up with bigger organizations, which can help fund their um 
their inspirations. Yeah. All right. So I think it's time that we begin to talk about the Boston Celtics and the New York Knicks. All right. So um, I'm a big fan of the Boston Celtics and Buddy's a big fan of the New York Knicks. And we often debate about who's the better team. Um, I have to give it to him in the business sense. I'm sad to admit it, but the Knicks, because they're more valuable, they are the better team in that sense. But I still think the Boston Celtics are the better team based on their wins, based on their championships. So not really on that business level, but more so talent. Yeah, um, well, to start... I'm pretty sure that the New York Knicks are the most valuable sports franchise out of all sports. It's either them, it's either them or the New York Yankees, and I mean, no, it's okay. no coincidence. It's no coincidence. The, um, they're both New York teams. Yeah, yeah. Let me just interrupt you real quick. The Golden State Warriors are the number one. They're the most valuable team in the NBA. Are you sure? I'm, I'm positive. I'll, I'll look it up really quick, but I'm pretty sure it's it was recent. They recently topped them. Well, that makes sense with the Warriors winning their fourth championship in the past, like, eight years, and the Knicks not having won a championship in the last 50 years. Yeah, I mean, also, though, like, it's not necessarily about wins. Like, with MSG, you know, like, just the popular... Yeah, well, the, pop- the, Knicks, the Knicks haven't been good. I mean, they, they're having a good year this year. They've had a couple good years, but it's pretty impressive that they're still one of the top valuable franchises in all of sports and it's solely just based off their brand that they created yeah with the tv deals for example i was i saw in 2017 they had this massive local deal they have 100 million dollars i'm pretty sure so that's just another way of how they generated money it became more valuable but the celtics aren't that far behind Um, i'm pretty sure they're fifth in the nba so Yeah. yeah Yeah, um, to add on to the actual teams, I mean, the Knicks are 3-1 and one against the Celtics on the year. Um, they also beat the Celtics on national television at uh, at Boston, missing their best player. That, that is true. Um, when looking at the standings, though, the Celtics are currently second place in the Eastern Conference, and the Knicks are fifth, I believe. Yeah, they're fifth. Um, well... The Knicks win their first round playoff series, uh, which is I'm pretty sure is going to be against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Celtics win theirs against the Heat or the Nets. Then I believe that the Knicks and the Celtics will be facing off in the second round. Yeah, and to and to get more into business on that, I feel like that will be a massive, massive matchup. Um, yeah, that hasn't happened. In uh, I, don't, it, I don't know. I can't recount. It, it last happened in 2013. 2013. I know that off the top of my head because that's the last time the Knicks have won a playoff series. And that was the only playoff series that the Knicks won with Carmelo Anthony on their team. So uh, it would be, it'd definitely be a pretty big deal. I'm pretty sure the Knicks swept them. It wasn't close. Um, Might have oh, been 4-1. Okay. to one. Yeah, that, I mean, I could speak for all Knicks fans that the, the city would absolutely be crazy i can't even put into words how excited new york city would be and really just all sport i mean if you're a true basketball fan i mean the, the knicks play definitely like a more physical style of basketball it's gonna it's i mean e- even even though the celtics probably have the more skilled players there's no denying that it's gonna be a good series if it happens no matter what 
I think so. Yeah. Um, I guess to get back into like the value of each franchise, obviously Boston, it has that culture like New York, obviously not as much, um, but also like the amount of championships and just the overall success that the Celtics have had um, throughout the years is why they are the fifth um, most valuable team in the NBA. That obviously plays into it. It is a big factor. And it's, pre- it's pretty consistent, too, over the years. Not necessarily championships, but just overall performance and in the standings. Yeah. Um, I mean, Boston, it's known as Titletown. The Patriots, Bruins, Red Sox, Celtics. I, they all have championships in the last 10 years, I believe. Um, and New York has, I mean, the Yankees are always good, but they haven't been able to get over the hump. Um, sure, they have the most championships, but I, I, I think the last one they won was like 16 years ago. The Rangers have been pretty good, but I'm not too in the hockey. Knicks are having a good year, but like I said, they uh, historically haven't been the best franchise. Um, Giants haven't haven't been good. I mean, they had a good year, but yeah, the New York sports. I mean, they're on the rise. The Giants, the Jets, uh, they're all on the rise. So hopefully, one of them can lock down a championship. Yeah, I feel like with this rise, I feel like if both teams continue to rise and are both really good, and if they compete against each other, I feel like that would be better for sports and the sports industry as a whole because rivalries are obviously, I guess, the number one thing you want to watch and be entertained by when watching sports, right? Yeah, when 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 there's rivalries in sports, I mean, it just generates more. Uh, impressions more viewers people are going to be talking about it like i said before you just want people talking about your sport whether it's good or bad um you want you want attention like rivalries bring out the best in everyone they bring out the best in the players best in the teams best in the league best in the fans especially the fans um so yeah i i mean that i mean uh, speaking as a fan there's just nothing like a rivalry um to get back in the nfl like i said i'm a Bengals fan and the Chiefs, Bengals, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow rivalry is starting to really develop, and I, I'm pretty sure that game was one of the. I think that was the most viewed conference championship game ever, or at least uh, in the past like 60 years. So I believe it was the most viewed ever, um, and I think that has a lot to do with all the talk before the game, just all the buzz. These two young star quarterbacks going head to head. Yeah, um, I'm looking at a graph right now. And was twenty? When did they get Joe Burrow? Um, they drafted him in uh twenty nineteen, I believe. They drafted him in right. twenty nineteen or twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. However, his rookie year, he uh injured his leg pretty badly, so he missed ha- over half his rookie year. Okay, cause um I'm looking at this this chart, and in twenty nineteen, their um revenue was about. Um, 400 million, but then in 2020 it actually decreased to about 350. But yeah. then um, 2021 well, there was a drastic increase. It uh, rose to 462 million dollars, and uh, partly because of this rivalry. Or yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I think that it dipped so much in 2020 because it was a COVID season. There weren't any fans. Um, so I, there weren't any fans. So I think it ticket sales, but also it's it's. It's ironic that we're talking about the Bengals because they're actually the least valuable NFL team um, because their owner 
um, was the son of the original owner of the Bengals. So, like, he isn't one of these billion I, – I, he is the poorest owner. I know that for a fact. Um, it's because, like, you'll see, like, the team, like, Broncos. The Broncos just got bought by, like, the Walmart owners, like, the Walmart family, mm-hmm. billions of dollars. And they're they're able to use that money to their advantage. Like, they're paying cash to players where the Bengals, they can't – they don't have that luxury of being able to pay cash to players – for them to come to their team and free agency or whatever. They have to be super smart with their money. And they, like I said, like they're starting to, they went to the Super Bowl the other year. They went to their conference championship. And it's because they have these star players. However, you eventually have to pay these star players. You know, when you draft them in the NFL draft, you get them on these cheap deals for four or five years. And then eventually you have to pay them and uh, break the bank. So what it used to be named Paul Brown Stadium after the original owner, but they just changed it to Paycor Stadium. Uh, they also, um, they're uh, creating, or not creating, they're using a lot of sponsor- sponsorships from these other companies, and they're trying to get as much cash as possible to be able to allocate um, to their best players to be uh, to get them to stay. Yeah, I feel like, like with the great, great amount of success they've had, that obviously helps them and their, their business, right? Like also, with these um players performing really well, like you said, um, it could also have a negative effect, right? Because they have to pay more more money. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like, I mean, that's like, you have to be. That's what general managers are for in the NFL. They have to like do the research. They have to decide. Yes, this is a great player, but is he worth so and so amount of money? Like, or should we allocate the $40 million we're going to pay to one player, split it to two players for $20 million per, or maybe four players for $10 million per? And I know for the Bengals as a fan, they definitely go with the split, split like the Moneyball, for people who've seen the uh, Moneyball movie with Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt. They don't pay these huge premier players these big contracts because... Uh, historically and statistically it isn't smart allocating all your resources to one player because football is a team sport so what they'll do is they've let premier players walk in the past that are asking for 20 million and they'll break the 20 million into two players and give 10 million to each player and it it, it has been very successful for the Bengals. Mm-hmm. i guess to like sum up with this idea of with rivalries just to get back to that i feel like they also um they help the two teams competing and also the organization they're in as a whole. Like, for example, MLB or NFL or NBA. And, like, when looking, referring back to this graph, obviously, like, like you said, with the COVID year, um, down in revenue and the drastic increase, that makes sense um, with less restrictions due to COVID. But um, it's also because of their success, obviously, and this rivalry between the Chiefs and the Bengals that's continued and probably will continue. Which people want to watch. Yeah, people people love trash talk. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on, or um, is that about it? I think we. I mean, I think we touched upon everything. We talked. We talked about the four or so major sports organizations in America. Um, we talked about. We talked about players. We talked about teams. Um. I, I think I think I think we touched uh, on everything. Yeah, I think so. I mean, All right. Maybe maybe we'll talk again after the Knicks beat the Celtics in the 
NBA playoffs. I personally don't think that's going to happen because I think the Knicks are going to lose the first round. But we'll get into that later. Yeah, right, maybe, buddy. Maybe, maybe next time we could talk more about sports betting. Possibly, yeah. It's obviously. I mean, it's not really on the investing side. It's way riskier. Uh, we could possibly yeah, talk I mean, about that. Tech, I mean, it could be viewed as investing. It, it technically is like a business. You're you're investing your money. I mean, you could think about it. it just it, it's really just dehumanizing the players. Like what what makes it so much different than a stock? If you think a stock's gonna perform well, you put your money into it because you think that it's gonna rise. If you think a player is gonna perform well, you're gonna put your money into it because you're banking on the player to. Uh, reach a certain threshold and uh, increase your money that you put in. I mean, I don't know. I talked about this like an earlier episode. I feel like there's too much of a risk, to be honest, to the point where it's not an investment. It's just a gamble. But I mean, I guess you could see it in, from that perspective. But I mean, if I was going to talk about gambling and placing bets, I would talk about like the business of casinos, for example. Like I feel like they kind of they kind of take advantage of people's like tendencies to gamble and like when you walk in a casino you're not really thinking about probabilities and everything yeah just thinking of that that small little chance that you can make a lot of money and you're not really thinking straight so they take advantage of this and obviously that's how they generate a lot of their money yeah i mean if this if this should probably be like the last thing we talk about so i'll i'll make it quick but casinos are huge businesses like million like hundreds of millions billion dollars like and like you said because you're you're most likely going to lose money because even if you win the original bet, you're going to want to risk it and win more. And it's more of like for the experience. Like I know personally, when I turned 21, I I don't even I don't know anything about gambling. I don't know anything about cards or whatever. But I know when I turn 21, I'm going to go to Vegas with my buddies and I'm going to have like a good time at a casino. And like I know I'll lose money, but I guess it's really just for the experience. And well, the casinos are just happy that i'm there and just taking my money it's also just like like the the uh the, the shops like the shops that they have there the bars like they want you there you're gonna buy merchandise you're gonna buy alcohol you're gonna buy food and everything's super expensive where like casinos are so it's about that um entertainment the entertainment industry again um all right i think that about wraps it up um thanks for coming on buddy yeah, th- no, thank, thank you for having me. I hope we can talk again soon. Yeah, I'll try to have you on again. We could talk about something something else related to business. All right, dude. Thank you. Um, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, this is the end. Thanks to everybody for listening.